on the problem of God, and, and my prayer is that, uh, that, you've, uh, that it's helped you to answer maybe some questions in your life and that uh, maybe some friends or family members that have had these same questions. My prayer for you is that you'll have some tools in your toolbox just to be able to have an open, uh, humble, loving conversation with people because these are, these are real questions that people struggle with. Now, some people are going to hear the answers and not want to believe, and that's fine. But I think it's good for us as believers to know that there are answers in the word uh, of God for these issues that we see in our world today and the different issues that people struggle with. And that's what I want to uh, dive into today is, is the, the problem of, of suffering and evil in our world today. And I think if we're honest with, all ourselves, with ourselves here this morning, there are times in our lives that we have gone through some extreme suffering and we just wonder, God, where are you? I'm just going to raise my hand and say, I've been there. I've, I've been through those times where you're just like, man, what, what is going on here? And, and, and it causes you to really dig deeper into understanding the character of God. And I believe that even through evil and suffering that we see in our world, uh, we can understand through the word of God why these things happen. And this is what we're going to dig in today. So we have not, we have not shied away from these topics, um, we have not skirted around them and just say, okay, let's just stick to the happy scriptures and let's just stick with the, you know, the feel good scriptures that, but how many know when you read through the Bible, there are tough topics. When you read through the Bible, there are tough things. And I just want to start off this morning by, by just giving you a reality check, um, this morning. And how many know it's good to sometimes just have a reality check, it's, it's, it's good to understand that, that there are things that, that, that the Bible addresses that we struggle with and we struggle through. And we're going to just, we're going to dive in. I, I was a swimmer. And when I was swimming in high school, how many of you, when you get in a pool, you guys are the, the people that just kind of get, you, you make, e, you ease in, right? You just kind of ease in. And if someone splashes you, you're mad. Don't splash me because, you know, but our coach was like, yeah, if you did that, you were getting pushed in. He just wanted you to, he goes, everybody all in, you just dive in. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to dive in to this real difficult topic. So let me just give you a couple passages here to, to, to tee up what we're going to talk about today and, and, and talk about the reality of suffering that the Bible addresses it. The Bible doesn't skirt this issue, but the Bible addresses that, that these are real issues that we all face with. How many of you know, we all know Psalm 23, right? It's the Psalm of David. L- listen to this part of Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 4. David says, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the happy, cheerful valley with potpourri smell. And that's not what, what is David? The, the darkest valleys... And some of you have walked through dark valleys, and some of you right now are in a dark valley. David says, for you are with me. You're with me on the mountaintop, and you're with me in the darkest valleys. Don't ever lose sight of that. First John, let's look at the New Testament, First, first John 5.19, it says, For we know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the, under the control of the evil one. How many know we live in an evil world? We live in a difficult world. The Bible addresses it. Okay, so we understand that. Look at John 16, Here are the words of Jesus. He says, I've told you all this so that 
that, that you may have peace in who? Not in your situation. What did he say here? Don't look for it in your situation. He didn't say, I've told you the thing so that you may have peace in your checking account. So that you can have peace in your 401k. So that you can have peace in our economy or the government or whatever. He says, no, that you may have peace in who? In me. Because, because he says, here on earth you will have what? Many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So let me just give that as the basis as we talk about suffering and evil in the world. And I, 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 I want to be honest with you. There, there are times in our lives that we just struggle with doubt. We struggle with that. Maybe it's, it's something you prayed for and it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Maybe it was something unexpected that made, made no sense. A death, a job loss, a health issue. Maybe, maybe it's a, just a very dark time in your life or a major trial that, that caused you to doubt, which caused you to ask the question, God, are you real? Are you there? And maybe you're struggling with that right now. But let me just say it's okay to struggle. It, it, it's, it's, it's okay to struggle with your faith at time. And I believe it's during these times when we get real and raw in our Christian walk is where we grow. God does not want us to have some sanitized type of Christianity where we just do our Christian thing and we check off the box because what's going to happen is life's going to come and it's going to rip the carpet out from underneath you and it's going to reveal what kind of faith you really have in God. See, we, I, I want it real. I, I, I like to read the fine print. So when they have the commercials and they say, all this stuff is free. And then all of a sudden you hear the voice, right? I go, wait, wait, I want to, wait a minute. I want to, I want to see, what is that fine print? Oh, not really. It's for free. You got to pay a thousand dollars up front. Oh, okay. It's really, right? See, let's be honest. Life is hard. Life is hard. And the Bible doesn't paint a different picture for us. Jesus even said, you will face many sorrows and tribulations in this world, but take hope, I've overcome the world. So the Bible doesn't paint a different picture for us. The Bible paints a picture of hardship at times. Things aren't going to go our way. Life at times is going to seem unfair. If somebody says to you that things need to be fair, just punch them in the mouth because it's not. Well, don't do that. But, but realize it's not fair. And how many try to, with your kids, when they want this, when that's not fair, right? It's not fair. I want, that's a good point to say, you know what? That's right. Life isn't fair. And you're not always going to get what you want. I'm thinking of a song right now. You can't. Oh, anyways. Okay. So, so where is God? Here's our question. Where is God when, when life just doesn't make sense? And, and some of you ask that question, whether it's during a tragedy or we tend to blame God when things don't make sense. And, and, and this is the one question that, that skeptics tend to turn to and, and to try to disprove God by saying, how could a loving God um, allow suffering or allow evil or allow certain tragedies in the world, you know, where was God during the tsunamis? Where is God during the earthquake? Where, where is, where is God? Where is God? And, that, and that's a, that's a question that skeptics will tend to use against, 
God or the existence of God. If God is good, then why did this happen to me? How come he, how come he just didn't stop it? So how do we deal with doubt, especially the times when life doesn't seem to make sense? And, and how can we make sense of evil in our world around us when the Bible clearly says it is around us? I can remember talking with someone who was struggling with doubt and they told me that they wanted to believe and they wanted to have faith, but they didn't feel God was just moving in their lives. I like what Madeline Lengel says here. She said, those who believe they believe in God, but without passion in the heart, without anguish of the mind, without uncertainty, without doubt, and even at times without despair, believe only in the idea of God and not in God himself. See, see, this is what I want to look at today. I want to look at two questions today. And every single one of us has battled with these questions. Or maybe if you have asked these questions in, in your life. And the two questions is, if God is good and loving, then why does he allow evil and bad things to happen? You know, it's, it, it, and many Christians ask that. They say, wait, wait, pastor, I'm living this Christian life. Why did this thing happen in my life? If God is good and loving, then why does he allow these evil, bad things to happen? And the second, second thing is, how do I have faith amid suffering or when life doesn't seem to make sense. And I think these two questions, probably more than any others, are the ones that are most asked. Whether you're following Jesus or you're not, these are the questions that that we tend to wrestle with in our life. And and let's be honest, they're good questions. And so that's why we're going to dive into them first. So so let's, let's dive right into this. If God is good, then why evil? And, and, I'm, and I'm not going to say that I have all the answers to all the difficult questions. But I like what John Lennox says here. He says, I don't have a complete answer, but I have a doorway to an answer. And, and I'm hoping to give you a doorway to the answer today for those of you who are struggling. So to look at this question, we need to first, we have to have a correct view of our world. And I think this is where most Christians trip up and where many people that aren't followers of Jesus are looking into maybe the concept of Christianity or just looking into God or just kind of seeking it. If if we don't have a correct worldview, then we're going to base everything on what we think. And that's where we get all messed up. In order to understand suffering and evil in the world, we have to get a correct view of who we are first. And, 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 and how did all this get started and why are we in the mess that we are today? We would all agree that we live in a fallen world, right? We all agree we live in a fallen world. In other words, our, our, our world is broke. Can we at least admit our, our, our world? There are a lot of good things that happen, right? But can we at least, least admit that, that we live in a broken world, that, that we see uh, broken relationships, that, that, that we see evil and people do wrong things around us. We, we see the brokenness. We see conniving. We, we, we see things that go behind the scenes. We see people working out their things for their agendas and what they want. We, we see the broke. We don't, we don't have to be idiots not to realize we live in a broken world. We see it through broken relationships, broken lives, bad decisions. We see, we see evil in our world. So the question that many will ask if, if there's a good God, then why does evil exist? Why doesn't God just stop it? If, if, if God would stop evil 
um, we would, you know, why don't we just start with that? Why, why don't we just live in this perfect world? Why, why do we see these evil things happen at times? And, and we can say, um, you know, we can think evil thoughts. We, we, we see evil things. But so many times it's other people. We never seem to start with ourselves. That, that actually we think evil things and we have evil thoughts. Right? We tend to think it's always other people who are evil and not us. And we need to understand that, that man has been given a free will. Man is autonomous, meaning free to choose and act independently. Which makes us accountable for our actions. So we are not robots. God, you know, God doesn't want robots. We can freely choose to love and serve God. I like what Frank Turek says here. He says, free will, while it allows the possibility of evil, is the only way for us to love and achieve ultimate good. And so we have to go back. Why, why do we see, why, we, why do we live in such a fallen world? Why are things so messed up in our world today? Well, the cause of evil goes back to the fall of man. The cause of evil goes back to the fall of man. We have to take accountability for this. So Adam and Eve had everything they needed. Everything was in harmony. Their relationship was in harmony and their marriage relationship and their relationship with God was in harmony. And because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve, when they went against God's word, sin entered our world. And as a result, we live in a broken world where bad things happen. See, I want you to understand this morning that the default of man's heart is sin. Listen, it's not good. It's not good. It's sin. The default of us goes to sin. And the resulting is evil, pride, selfishness, envy, envy, jealousy, and rage. Every single one of us, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, constantly battle those things. Can we just be, amen? Amen? Okay, good, good. I'm glad you're all awake this morning. Next week may be a little bit rougher, but you're awake today. Less hours sleep, going to be a little rough next week, but we'll get through it. There it is. The, The result is not good. The result is sin. And that's what happened because of the fall of man. Scriptures say this, Romans 5, 12. The word of God says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought what? Death. We all die. That's the result. No one can conquer that on their own. That's why we need Jesus. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Every single one of us has a sinful nature. That's, that's who we are. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? I'm glad everybody's feeling warm and fuzzy. But remember, reality check. Let's get the reality check. Correct worldview. So evil came because of the selfishness of man. So the biggest problem is our fallen nature. We are born with that. If you, if you, if you, if you don't believe me, those of you who have raised children can see it at a very young age. Children are just little sinners. That's all they are. They're cute, but they're little sinners, right? They just, they are. We don't have to teach them to be selfish. We don't have to teach them to say, mine, don't touch that. Give me, right? We don't, we don't have, it's, it's, it's in their 
nature. I've, I've got a, I got a Kabbalah t-shirt that says it's in my nature and it's got a big rainbow trout on the front. And I go, how true is that? It's in my nature. I mean, it's just sin is in our nature. See, see, that's what we need to realize. That's a correct world view. And so evil came because of the selfishness of man. So, so God did not create evil. God is not evil. Man is responsible. So yes, yes, bad things happen as a result of people doing bad things. And, and sometimes we're affected by that. And, and some of you are here today and you understand that very clearly that some things were done to you from bad people doing wrong things. And I'm going to tell you that there's so much hope through the gospel message of Jesus Christ. See, the good news is this. It's interesting that with all those scriptures I read to you at the beginning, there's always, there's always a good part to it. There's good. Even though we're going through this now, there's good news for the future, for those that are in Christ. The good news is that God will restore all things. Paradise lost will be paradise restored. So the good news is God sees what's going on. And he restores all things back to himself. That's the hope that we have in the gospel message that Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. A relationship that was broken because of sin and rebellion. Jesus came to give his very life to restore and to reconcile us back to God. Not just come to make us better people. Now, does following Jesus make you a better person? Of course. But he didn't come just to make you better, to make you more successful, to make you better looking, right? He didn't do that. That's not why he came. He came to restore a broken relationship that we were enemies with God. And through Christ Jesus, we now become friends with God. So this is what, this is what God did for us. He came to earth in the form of the God man, Jesus Christ, and suffered for us. And he came right in the middle of our mess. And he took our sin. He took our evil. He paid the price with it with his own blood as we celebrated through communion. And so what did Jesus do for us? Well, he came to fix us. We are broken. We are broken people because of sin. And a result of Adam's sin, we have this fallen nature. We have a sickness and we will die. The good news is Jesus came to conquer that for us. Okay, I know this is getting so depressing, but let's, let, me get, let me give you where the, good, where the good news is here. The good news is this, is that Jesus showed us how he had dominion over our fallen nature, sickness, and in death when he lived on this earth. So, so look at that. Jesus showed us how he had dominion over our fallen nature, sickness, and in death. And if you look through Jesus' life, you see how he came to restore those things. So Jesus healed people. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus forgave us. Jesus conquered death through his resurrection. So he showed us through his very life as he walked on this earth, how he had dominion over those things that separated us from God to show, no, I have the power to heal. 
Amen. I've got the power over death by raising Lazarus from the grave. I have power. That I'm not just some man. I'm not some good man. I'm not some just prophet. I'm actually the son of God. And through his miracles, and obviously through his death and resurrection, showed us that he indeed was God and had power and dominion over those things that separated us from God, which led to death. Romans 5, 17 and 18 says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, it kind of gives sense here to what happened of a correct worldview of why we see evil and death in our world. He said, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live and triumph and triumph over sin and death through this one man who? Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God, new life for some. For who? For everyone. You are not excluded. You may look at your pad and say, eh, I might not fit. No, for everyone. Jesus' act of righteousness covers us all. For those who put their faith in him. So what we do know is God will deal with all the injustice and evil in the world. Everyone will have to give an account to God. God is loving, but he is also just. So don't look at this world and say, well, people are getting away with it. They're not. Just because we live in this age where God is pouring out his grace and mercy on us, God will soon judge the earth and the acts of men. And so, yes, he's loving, but God is also just. He wouldn't be loving if he wasn't just. So the heart of the gospel message of Jesus coming is redemption. Jesus came to redeem us, to restore those who were sinners and did evil things to redeem us for his glory. Here, here's the question. I, I, I can't explain why certain things happen, but I do know that God is good and he can turn those things into good and for his glory. That doesn't mean that the things that were done to you were good. They weren't good. But here's the thing we see about the gospel message. And this is why I believe the gospel message is the thing we need to hear over and over and over again. It's the gospel message that says this might've happened, but I'm going to restore you and now use you for my glory and show you what I can do with you. For, for those who have done evil things, for those who had evil done against them, God can take that and use it for his good. Those things aren't good, but God can take them and use them for his good, as Paul explains for us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. That's our hope. That's the only hope we have. I don't know of any, unless you've got a better way, I don't know. But I don't know of a better hope that we have in this world than that message of Jesus Christ and what he's come to do for us. So let me explain the second one because this is, this is, this is a hard one too. The second question is, can God use suffering? And, and why am I going through this or why have I gone through this? And, and so I want to paint, once again, a re realistic painting of life. We understand life is not perfect. And how many know that the older you get, the more you realize <laughs> that things may have not have worked out the way you thought they were going to work out when you were 20 years old, right? You realize it, you get more realistic the older 
you get, hopefully it doesn't get us more cynical, but we, there is a, a realism that not necessarily everything works out the way we want. That doesn't mean God can't use it, but it means that just life isn't perfect. Is life fair? No. Does everything work out the way we think it should? No. And the problem is we, we, we get this um, 30-minute sitcom syndrome. Right. I used to, when I grew up, I used to love the Brady Bunch. Right. And so you'd sit down and watch the Brady Bunch and they'd always have a problem. Right. And then after 30 minutes, everything would work out. And Bobby was getting along with Jan and Jan was getting along with Marcia and they're all lovey dovey and everything. Unless there was a part two. Right. Then you're like, oh, I got to wait till next week. Those are the days we actually couldn't watch it anytime you wanted to. Right. And, and we think that things are just going to get solved in 30 minutes or in an hour. But sometimes they don't. They don't. Life isn't like that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. And, and for many of us, have you ever felt this way? You, you get through one thing, and then, and then it's like, I can rest. And then the moment you rest, it's like something else pops up, and you're like, wait a minute, what? You know, you just fix your car, and then you get a flat tire, right? And then you fix the flat tire, and something else you get. I mean, that's... I got a 2003 Subaru that's just running on rust right now. And it's Colby's car. And it's always every other week. I'm like, is your car running? Is it still running? You know, if you see a muffler on the side of 104, that's ours. That's our muffler. It's still, by the way, it's still there. It's free. If anybody wants it, it's a little rusty, but sometimes life feels that way. Doesn't it? It's just like one thing after another. And it just, how do I, how do I deal with this? But I believe with all my heart, as we look into scripture, that God can use our suffering to draw us actually closer to him. God can use our suffering to draw us closer to him. So let me give you a couple things here that helps us to, I'm not saying that this makes it any easier, but it gives us a sense to say, how can I draw closer to you through this? And believe me, I don't want to put a bandaid on this and just say, here's a scripture and call me in the morning. Um, some of the things that we go through are real and they're deep and the wounds are deep. I don't know who said it, but when my wife and I lost our first child, I remember just going through this deep wounding process and trying to seek the Lord and how God can you speak to me and speak to us through this really deep wound in our heart. And I remember, I can't remember who said it, but, but the one book I was reading said, it just spoke to me the volumes that, God can't use a man until he bruises him deeply. And it's not that God wants to purposely bruise us to hurt us. But I think sometimes God allows us to go through it to show us the depths of his grace and his love for us. So I believe that God can use suffering. Now, do we like going through it? No. But I believe it's through that bruising time that I believe we can experience a deeper fullness of God's grace than we could never experience otherwise. That it's through those valleys of darkness that we realize, you know what, God, you're still there. You're not giving up on me. You know what, God, the only thing I have right now is your promises and I'm going to cling onto them like grim death because I know you're good. I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. And so I'm going to hold on to you because there's nothing else I have. You know what? That's an okay, okay place to be. It's an okay place to be. So what I believe, a couple of things are, I believe that suffering awakens us to God. It awakens us to God. 
If I were to ask each and every one of you, the times in your life that you grew the most in Christ, I guarantee you it wouldn't be in the good times. It was in the times that you went through some deep suffering in your life. I guarantee you that would be the times you grew the most. C.S. Lewis, in his book, the, the Problem of Pain, said, it's in, the, it's in the pain that God shouts to us. Pain is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. See, when we're hurting and when life doesn't make sense, when things happen that are beyond our control, it can cause us, I believe, to truly reach out to God and to be completely dependent on him. To say, I need you. I can't do this without you. That I believe that in our weakness, we can see that God is strong. And that's, and that, and that's why I, I love that, that the example of the Apostle Paul was brought to us in this matter. That, that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, who saw things that none of us have ever seen, prayed for some thorn that was in his side. We don't know what it is, and I'm glad we don't know what it is. I, I think God purposely doesn't allow us to see what it is so we can not focus on that, but on the answer that Jesus gives Paul. I don't know what it is. So if, if there's a theologian that knows what it is, just say that because you don't know what it is. I don't care what they say. I think we're not supposed to know so that we can focus more on the answer that Jesus gives Paul. And Paul prays three times. God, take this thing away. And, and God reveals a couple things to Paul here. He says, one, I want to keep you humble. Because you've seen these great things, I want you to, I want you to keep dependent on me. He, he wasn't just rebuking Paul because Paul was getting too cocky. Maybe he was. I don't know Paul's heart. But, but Paul's saying, listen, I just want to keep you humble. And so I'm not going to answer this prayer. Because he says, I want you to realize that my grace is sufficient for you. That in your weakness, I will be strong. He wanted Paul to understand the depths of his grace. That even though he may have felt weak, whatever this thorn in the flesh was, that it was through Christ's strength that he would remain strong. Here's the second thing I want you to see about suffering. Is that Jesus understands and sympathizes with our suffering. There is no one else in this world that understands what you're going through better than Jesus. See, Jesus understands our suffering and sympathizes with our pain. And I want you to understand that you're never alone. The greatest thing that God did for us was to come to us, to, to be that full God, fully man, to understand what we're going through. So we, we have a high priest that's just not a man like the high priest in the Old Testament that would just once a year in Yom Kippur would go into the Holy of Holies and represent uh, man and, and, and come before God and he would have to offer up and his, consecrate himself as he would go into the Holy of Holies to offer up the sacrificial animal to the Lord to cover their sins for that year and they'd have the scapegoat. One was sacrificed. They'd lay the hands on the scapegoat and as it would go off in the wilderness, the people would know that their sins had been removed and they'd have to do that year after year after year. And they would find atonement or covering for their sin for that time, but they would have to keep, keep doing that. Well, in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer says that Jesus becomes our perfect high priest. 
And he says, we not only have a high priest, a high priest that's not like us. One that's from heaven. One who is God. But one who also understands our weaknesses. Look what the Hebrew writer says there in chapter 4. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So here's the promise. So let us then come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Now you couldn't do that in the Old Testament without dying. You had to make sure that you did everything according to God's law. And some people say, man, Leviticus, that's like grinding teeth to get through that thing. But I want you to understand, as you read through the Old Testament, the reason for that was to show God's separation from man. That God was holy, that was not something you were to mess with. And so God used it to show that they were unholy, that he was holy. This is the way you approach a holy God. This is the way that your sins are covered. But now, but now, through Christ... And what he's accomplished for us, we can now boldly approach the throne room of grace, knowing, knowing that we will receive his what mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love that. That we don't have to fear because of what Jesus has already done for us. We can boldly come into that throne and say, God, I need you. I'm, I'm struggling. And we can find mercy and grace in our time of need. So let, let me wrap this up as Katie comes up and let me just wrap this up. And as we just close in song here, let me, let me just wrap, wrap this up. Here's where the hope is, because if we, if we don't have hope, then, then we will just give up. We'll allow our circumstances and our suffering to submerge us in the water. And we feel like we're drowning and we feel like, where is the hope in all this? Here's the hope in the gospel. I want you to understand that our temporary suffering, it is temporary. Everybody say temporary. I know it feels like an eternity. I know some of you parents feel like, will I ever stop changing diapers? You will. It's just temporary. (laughs) And then it's something new that you have to worry about. Whole new other set of things. It's only temporary. And so I want you to realize that, that our temporary suffering will be traded in for eternal joy in heaven. That's what we look forward to that God is going to restore everything. Do you realize there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. I can't wait for that. I mean, that's where, you know, fishing's going to be called catching because you're just going to catch fish all the time. You know, we're all going to be in shape, right? We're never going to be tired. I'll be able to run a marathon. Always wanted to do that. I'm too old now. I can't do that. That that dream is gone. But a new heaven and a new earth, he's going to restore all that. So I love what, what Paul says here. I love this. I love this. Listen to this. Romans 8.18. Yes. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Some of you, you better underline that. You better circle that. You better write it down. Tattoo it on your arm. I don't care how you get this verse. Put it on your refrigerator. Whatever you got to do, that's your go-to verse. 
that's your go. So when you're going through something and you're suffering and you're not understanding, that's your go-to verse. Realize that it's temporary. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying the struggle is not real. But the glory comes later when we eventually will be in heaven and God restores all those things. What a glorious day that will be. Um, we're going to close. We're going we're gonna to share a new song with you. And I, I want to just close this, this time with singing this song in prayer. But I, I want to share this story with you. Because some of you, let's just be honest, you've come into this place with a lot of stuff. A lot of baggage, some things that were done to you, some things that you have done, and you, you've got a weight of guilt and condemnation that, that is like uh, luggage on a chain that you've been dragging around for years. And I believe God wants to set you free from that today. I believe God, not that you won't struggle with that the rest of your life, but I, I want you to realize there's hope for you that in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation. That you will find your hope in Christ. That you will find your freedom in Christ. I read this true story of a Christian speaker. And he was speaking at Michigan State University. And he was actually speaking on the topic, why does God allow evil? And during the Q&A session after the presentation, there's a person who said, you know, they were an atheist and they spoke up and clearly weren't, they weren't happy with the presentation. They didn't like the biblical answer to, to evil. And during the Q&A, a, a man spoke up and asked if he could address the grad student with the objection. So there's somebody at this presentation, they stand up and say, speaker, do you mind if I just address this grad student? And the man says this, said, I knew of a young woman who was raped and became pregnant. The man said that the rape almost destroyed her. But she decided not to punish the baby for the sin of the father. And she gave birth to a baby boy. That boy eventually grew up to be a pastor. And as the man continued to talk, he said, that baby boy grew up to be me. His name is Gary Bingham. And I want, I, want you to, I want to quote what Gary says here. He says, My mother turned evil into good, and God can too. Let, let me be brutally honest with you here this morning. That's where it gets really hard. God, how can you take something like this or something that someone has done to me or something that I have done some evil thing that I have done. You don't know the things that I have done, Pastor. How can God take those things and use it for his good? Here's the hope that we have without Jesus Christ and without the hope of the gospel, we remain in that guilt and condemnation. But that's why Jesus came. He came for all. And through his wonderful blood that he shed on the cross for us, covers us of those things and now takes them and redeems them for his purposes and his glory. That's God's grace. And I know it's hard to understand and grasp that. If it, if it weren't, we'd all have a problem. But that's the depth of his grace. I believe with all my heart, Jesus died for all sin. 
that he came and gave his life for all of our sin. See, see, we want just the sanitized view of Christianity where it's like, you know, I, 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 you know, I said a lie when I was five years old and I feel real bad. Okay, Jesus can forgive me on my little blah, 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 right? But Jesus died for the filthiest, vile things that you can think of. He died to that. His gruesome death is a reflection of our sin in our life. So every single one of us has to realize that the, the, the playing field at the foot of the cross is level. There's not a little step that step, okay, my sins weren't as bad as yours, so I'm a little closer to Jesus. No, no, no. It's all the same. We all come and we all bow and we all humble ourselves to receive the forgiveness that Jesus gives to us. He came to heal and to forgive you and it's all by his grace. Jesus restores us and that's our hope. And this is how I wanted to close today. Um, I want to pray for you and we're going to sing this new song and I just want you to reflect on the words of this song. And there may be some of you here today that you are really struggling with your past and some heavy guilt and condemnation from that. I want you to look at these words and I want you to find freedom in Christ. I believe it's through the the gospel message and through the power of Jesus' words that can set you free from that and and take something that was ugly and nasty and whatever that thing might be that you're battling with and then use it for his purpose and his glory and say, hey, look it, I, I love you. And I'm going to restore you. And I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to heal you. Because that's why I came. He came for broken people. He came for broken people. And we're all broken. So let Jesus fix you today. Let his spirit come inside of you today. And give you the freedom that you're looking for. So Father God, we just bow our hearts before you now. And as we just close... And as we sing the words to this song, I pray that you would just bring freedom to every heart in this place today. God, right now by your Holy Spirit, I pray you would do your work in every individual life. No matter where the struggle may be, no matter what the memory may be, no matter what the burden may be, no matter what the condemning, guilty thought may be, we, we pray in Jesus' name that those things would be just taken off us. That Jesus, through your wonderful death and through your resurrection, we can find healing through you. We, we, we need you, Jesus. We need your healing today. And so we come to you by faith and ask you to do this. So we thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. I'm thankful for the word of God that it shows all the messy stuff and it it gives us the reality of who we are because unless we see that, we'll never find your grace and the fullness of your grace. So thank you for speaking to our hearts and may we come now and find the freedom that we need. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As we sing this song, I'm...